You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. Salvation is understood in the Gospels, not in the terms of penalty and payment, but in the terms of restoration and healing. In the context of the violence, the injustice, and the oppression faced by multitudes in our, our present world. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 274 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of love, compassion, action, justice, and peace. Our feature text this week is John 3, 17, for God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And our title is Salvation as Liberation, Reparation, and Societal Healing. My wife and I purchased a home almost 15 years ago now. It's an American foursquare from the turn of the, the 20th century, and we thought it would be a, a beautiful adventure to restore an old home together. We wanted to do all the work ourselves and, and, and slowly as we could afford it, uh, so today, we find ourselves living in an ongoing construction project. The, the journey has hardly been what we thought it would be. And some people, they look at our home today alongside the, the before pictures, and they say, Herb, why didn't you just condemn the building and bulldoze it and, and build a new house? And that uh, honestly would have been a lot easier. It might have been cheaper. And, uh, but at the, end, the end, at the end of the day, it's not the choice we made. The house, though, uh, even though it's in need of restoration, it had great potential. It had great bones, as they say. But but uh, getting it into shape, getting it into getting it restored and repaired, um, and and doing all the work ourselves, it's been a lot of work over the years and all of our our free time. And, and John's gospel, it, we find in the very beginning, the third chapter, an interesting story. Nicodemus comes to talk to Jesus in the night. And in the middle of their conversation, Jesus tells him, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And contrary to, to many end time preachers, Jesus's vision for this world was not to condemn it, not to wipe it out, not to level it and just make a new one. Jesus pictured a God who, who loved our world, a God who, who dreamed of this world's healing, of this world's reparation and, and transformation. And Jesus's vision it wasn't to wipe out our world and start all over, but it was that to see our world healed. And, and the word in the passage that's most translated as saved is sozo. It can just as easily and accurately be translated as healed. Salvation is understood in the Gospels, not in the terms of penalty and payment, but in the terms of restoration and healing in the context of the violence, the injustice, and the oppression faced by multitudes in our, our present world. Salvation as a, a post-mortem fire insurance policy, that definition of salvation, it finds no place in the Gospels. And John's Gospel, it defines salvation more holistically. And what do we see Jesus doing with the majority of his time in all four of the canonical Gospels that we have today, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? 
we see him going from place to place, bringing healing and bringing liberation. And, and when I begin to look at our world uh, through the lens of, of healing and liberation, I, I remember when this started for me, um, rather than, than looking at uh, the world through the lens of uh, a fire insurance, something inside of me shifted as a result of that change. And in Luke 19, we find the story of Zacchaeus, a, a tax collector. He was responsible for participating in a system that benefited the wealthy, including himself, while impoverishing many. And the next thing the story tells us there in Luke 19, as we, we first encounter Zacchaeus, and then immediately the story tells us Zacchaeus has, has climbed a, a tree and just as in his own life, he'd climbed higher and higher uh, up the, the economic and societal ladders. Um, he's climbed this tree. And as he sits there in this tree, he's realizing that the ladder he'd been climbing was leaning against the, the wrong wall. And Jesus comes to the spot where Zacchaeus is lodged there in the trees. And he, he tells him, to climb down. I'm going to your house today. And everyone then immediately begins to whisper, he, he's going to the house of a, a sinner. And, and, and this makes sense because the masses, they disdained the tax collectors. Zacchaeus was a part of those that, that had been labeled as sinners and they were to be shunned and marginalized. And in, in Jewish society at this time, the label of sinner, it wasn't a universal term. It was a label that the politically elite, that they used to marginalize and exclude people. And the masses used it the same way towards tax collectors. There were two distinct groups in, in Jewish society. There was the righteous and the sinners. And a Jewish person had to be either living outside of, of the Pharisees or the Sadducees' interpretations of the teachings of Moses to be labeled a, a sinner or unclean. And, and tax collectors, they fitted this bill. Though the, the, they were born into the community, the Jewish tax collectors, even though they were born into the, the community of Abraham's covenant, they were still labeled as living in such a way that excluded them from the hope and the promises of their, their Jewish heritage. The Sadducees, they were much more conservative than the Pharisees. The Pharisees, um, uh, uh, they, they used a much more, they used much more liberal interpretations and, and therefore they were more popular. They gave them an appeal. Fewer people were sinners according to the Pharisees uh, and fewer people were, people were still marginalized, but fewer of them were marginalized under Pharisees interpretation um, than the, the Sadducees. The Sadducees interpretation served to, to marginalize many more people. And, and we've covered this in the Past, but that's what kept the, the Sadducees at the very top of their, their elite structure and, and gave the Pharisees more appeal with the masses. And this pattern of marginalization was Zacchaeus's story. He was a Jew by birth, and so he was a son of Abraham. But on the basis of his complicity with the Romans, he was economic complicity. He was labeled a, a, a sinner or an other or a, an outsider. And this is why the people in the story gets so upset that Jesus planned to go to Zacchaeus's house. And up to this point in Luke, Jesus had practiced a preferential option for the poor. Yet here he was now associating with someone who was, was responsible for making many people poor. Grace doesn't mean 
letting someone off the hook. Genuine grace, it transforms oppressors just as it liberates the oppressed. And Jesus, did he care that that Zacchaeus was responsible for a system that was repressing so many? Absolutely he did. Yet something had already changed inside of Zacchaeus. And we aren't told how and we aren't told when, but before Jesus could respond to the crowd's accusation that Jesus was going to the home of a sinner, Zacchaeus interrupts in the story and he says, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. What we see here is that Zacchaeus he was changing. As he had climbed down from the tree, he was also climbing down from his position of power, of prestige, of of public privilege. And he was also seeking to make reparations. He wasn't seeking simple forgiveness. Zacchaeus understood that following Jesus for him would involve him making reparations to those that he had exploited. It would also involve him going going beyond direct reparations to a to also a kind of wealth redistribution to the poor in general because his role in an economic system drove many in into poverty it was the system that was doing this i'm reminded here of the words of nelson mandela who who stated like slavery like apartheid poverty is not natural it is man-made and it can be overcome by the actions of human beings he said that in, in an address in 2005 at the Making Poverty History campaign. And the father of Latin liberation theology, Gustavo Gutierrez, he also writes, this is from The Power of the Poor in History, page 44, the poor person does not exist as an inescapable fact of destiny. His or her existence is not politically neutral. It is not ethically innocent. The poor are a byproduct of the system in which we live and for which we are responsible. Responsible. They are marginalized by our social and cultural world. They are the oppressed, the exploited proletariat, robbed of the fruit of their labor, despoiled of their humanity. Hence, the poverty of the poor is not a call to generous relief action, but a demand that we go and build a different social world order. Zacchaeus was beginning to realize this. And today, in a world where poverty is not the product of scarcity, because we produce more than we could ever possibly need as a human race, poverty results from unwillingness to embrace our interconnectedness and to share. And these words of of Gutierrez, they ring true. In an interview, um, Remembering the Poor, uh, he, he stated, there was, I'll put a link to the interview in this week's site, but there was a time when poverty was considered to be an unavoidable fate, but such a view is no longer possible or even responsible. Now we know that poverty is not simply a misfortune, it's an injustice. In the story we're looking at this week, Zacchaeus followed Jesus. He didn't only believe that another world was possible, he actually moved toward that world in his own decision-making. And Jesus responded to him by saying in Luke 19, 9, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. And right there, 
right then at that very moment, salvation, or as we originally translated it, healing, had come to Zacchaeus' house. And the questions we have to wrestle with this week are, 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 are related to this. What would it mean for salvation or healing to come to your house right now? Would it come in the form of liberation for you? Um, uh, would it come in the form of liberation to the community that you belong to? Are you one of the marginalized in your story? Or would it like it did for Zacchaeus, would it come in the form of your transformation, you taking up the work of, of liberation with others, working for their freedom and, and regaining your own humanity as you as you do so? And in, in, in our world where inequality and injustice are, are most often rooted in disparities that are based on either race or gender, education, religion, sexual orientation, gender identity or expression, a person's class status, uh, ability, or, or even more, what would Zacchaeus' salvation, what would that Zacchaeus-like salvation, what would it look like uh, for you this week? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to heal the world through him, John 3, 17. Our heart group application this week, healing our world can take a, a myriad of different forms. And this week here in the U.S., we find ourselves in the midst of another heated debate over our treatment of Jesus's strangers. And, and what if, if not ended by this Saturday, it could be the longest government shutdown in the history of the U.S. And I've, I've heard from many of you who, who follow Renewed Heart Ministries who are federal employees. I've heard the, the stories of how you feel as if you're being held for ransom. And, and as you continue to, to go without pay, some of you are expected to show up to work regardless of whether you get paid or not. And last April, our, our book of the month for Renewed Heart Ministries annual suggested reading course was Reverend Kelly Brown Douglas's book, Stand Your Ground, Black Bodies and the Justice of God. In the very first chapter in the section that's titled uh, The making of cherished property, uh, the, the immigration paradox, uh, Douglas lays out the history of racism that has ever been at the heart of our immigration debates. And this week, I, I'd like you to return to this chapter, pick up this book again, and read and discuss this chapter as a group together. And how does this history, how does it inform how you consider what's happening presently along the southern border of the U.S.? Just this week, Jim Wallace of Sojourners, which if you're not familiar with Sojourners, it's a, a Christian magazine dedicated to Jesus and societal justice. He implored his readers right now, he said, it's important that you tell your senator to pass funding bills to restore the operation of government agencies without approving Donald Trump's 2,200-mile monument to racism. And I, I agree on both of these counts. Right now, it is important to be contacting your, your congressional representatives. And I agree with Wallace's naming of, of Trump's wall as a 2,200-mile monument to racism. In the context of the history of our immigration debate here in the U.S., Wallace is correct. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus condemns the choice Voices of his followers who failed to follow his teachings. In Matthew 25, 43, he says, I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. Besides contacting your representatives, 
what else can you as a heart group do together to be a, a source of healing in your community right now? Uh, sharing an, an informed summary of our history to, to those who are misinformed in our, our daily discussions with others over this topic, that, that's something you can do. Uh, providing support for those who are, are seeking a, asylum in this country, either directly if you live in an area along the southern border or, or through supporting an organization that is providing help. Uh, do you have federal workers in your heart group that you can surround and, and come under right now and support during this difficult time for them as well? Come up with something you can do as a group and, and, and do it. Reverend John Dorhauer, I believe that's how you pronounce that. He's the general minister and president of the United Church of Christ. He rightly said this week, we are faced with a moral crisis as a country not a border crisis, nor a national emergency. History right now is being made. Uh, let's make sure as followers of Jesus, we're on the right side of that history. Thanks for checking in with us this week. I am so glad you're here. Next week, I'll be in Arizona actually officiating the wedding of, of two friends of mine, but I'm I'm going to try and, and, and get out next week's podcast, next week's e-site uh, before I go. And until then, remember another word world is possible. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.